Next week, uh, Paul Ironman will be here preaching with you. After that, I'm going to start a sermon series on what the church believes. I'm uh, calling it What We Believe and Why It's Important. So we're going to look at different doctrines of the church, stuff like the Trinity, uh, probably some deeper topics. Uh, but I want to look at them from the perspective of understanding why they're important and how they relate to us on everyday life. So we're going to do that sermon series, and then we're going to be doing some stuff on the parables as we get more into spring here. Um, for today, we're going to uh, kind of have a standalone sermon, although I see it as an extension of last week's sermon. If you weren't in church last week, I preached a sermon that I thought was a really important sermon. Some ideas that have been very important for me about what it means to be a Christian. And what it means to be a Christian, I, I think, means that you get your security and your worth in Jesus Christ. Which means you don't care about what anybody else thinks of you. But it also means that you stop caring what you think about you. you stop worrying about um, where you get your value. You stop trying to be judged by everybody else or even judging yourself. And realize that you've already been judged by God. And thanks to Jesus Christ, you have been found not guilty. And you are viewed as perfect. Today I, I want to extend that and really talk about how we get over things that have happened in our past. Because I think a lot of times we hang on to things that we shouldn't hang on to. There's an author named Noah St. John wrote a book called Permission to Succeed. The book is no longer in print. Um, but it's an interesting book. In it, Noah St. John was a divorced, recently divorced when he wrote the book. He was unsuccessful. He had done all kinds of reading on leadership, had tried all kinds of things. and He had been successful in certain aspects of his life, and then he found that he could not maintain that success. He'd end up messing it up somehow. And he was trying to figure out, you know, I, I'm doing all these things, and I'm a smart guy, and I, I try hard, and what is going on? And he just happened to be watching the news and he saw a report on anorexia. Uh, anorexia, the, the, uh, it's interesting, really. A lot of, it's mainly women that suffer from anorexia. They, they tend to be pretty smart people, care for others, have a bright future. But what happens is people tend to have then a low self-esteem and low self-value. And they begin to think that life might be better off without them. And so what these people do, again, um, it's normally only about one in eight men. It's, it's, uh, one in eight cases are men. It's primarily women. Um, when they eat, then they, they vomit. And they deny themselves food because they have this deep-seated belief that they do not deserve to live and that the world would be better off without them. And when Noah St. John looked at that, he said, you know, I, I am not anorexic. But he said... I kind of feel like that, though. Like I'm smart, I care about others, I have a pretty bright future, and yet, deep down, I really don't believe that I deserve to succeed. I have things in my past, I have things about myself. So he, he talks about what he calls success anorexia. That what sometimes people do is they self-sabotage because they don't believe they deserve success. So again, his book is called Permission to Succeed. Now, I would disagree with Noah St. John on his answer. His answer tends to be just to look to yourself and give yourself permission to succeed. And uh, I 
If you want to know why I disagree with that, listen to last week's sermon, because that's what I deal with. But I think Noah St. John is on to something. I think for a lot of us, we have things in our past, dark things that have happened to us, things that we are ashamed of, mistakes that we have made, and that deep down, many of us still feel that we do not deserve to have joy or to have success. We don't feel like we deserve to have much of a future because we're stuck in our past. You know what I'm talking about? Those things in your past that just suddenly you remember sometimes. Those moments in your past where you can just go back there and feel that feeling right immediately. Sometimes out of the blue. And we try to move on. And sometimes we can, but sometimes we're right back in the past. Right back with that loss, with that mistake. We try to hold back those words. We try to hold back that action. We try to stop that thing from happening. But for some reason, we can't get past our own past. And so we live with this shame. We live with these mistakes. We live with our dark history because we don't know any other way. But there's a story in the Bible that I think can help us deal a lot with this. And that is the story of Peter. Peter is an interesting character in the Bible. And he's mainly known for his denial of Jesus. And we're going to look at that story. Because when Jesus goes to trial, Peter follows him. But he ends up denying Jesus three times. Just as Jesus predicted that he would. So the prediction from John chapter 13 Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. Jesus says this at the Last Supper, the night he is betrayed. Maybe six, eight hours before Peter actually denies him. That's how close this prediction is. It's not a prediction that 20 years later comes true. It's within about eight, nine hours. This actually happens. And Peter is in such such shock over Jesus being arrested, he doesn't even really remember the prediction until the rooster does crow. So we skip to John chapter 18 to see the denial. Verse 15. Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood outside at the door. So the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, you also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself. Now we skip to verse 25. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. 
So they said to him, you also are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose, Peter, whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it. And at once the rooster crowed. Suddenly, the rooster crows. And Peter remembers Jesus' words from only a few hours ago. And he's ashamed. He runs and he hides. And I wonder if Peter ever even told the other disciples about this. I wonder if they even knew. Now he told people later because it shows up in the Gospels. But I wonder if he was so ashamed he didn't even share it with them. He'd even forgotten the prediction that quickly until that rooster crowed. And I wonder if the rest of his life, every time he saw a rooster, every time a rooster crowed, Peter remembered how unfaithful he had been. I'll bet you he kept that a secret, at least for a little while. Didn't let on to anyone that that was the case. And he was ashamed. He watched Jesus die. But then... Jesus comes back. The Easter story takes place. But for Peter, there's still a problem, right? I mean, Jesus is back. He's alive. Isn't that a thing that is so great? And yet, Peter can remember. Probably thought all the time about the failure that he had had to follow Jesus. In fact, it's very interesting the way John puts this in his gospel. You notice we had to skip a couple of verses. What we see is Jesus in the middle of Peter's story being very faithful. Jesus staying strong. To be contrasted with Peter who fails miserably. But Peter is, is holding on to this. He's hanging on to this shame. It's going with him. And he needs to deal with it. And so finally... After some time, they decide to go fishing. Because what else are they going to do? They don't know what the future holds. They don't know what they're going to do for Jesus now. They're not really following Jesus anymore. He's just sort of popping up now and again. And so they go back to fishing. And Jesus appears to them. Told the story to the children at the children's sermon. When they figure out it's Jesus, Peter jumps in the boat and swims to him. Of course, I wonder what was going through his head as he swam. I think he was probably overcome with excitement that Jesus is here, but deep down he still knows he has something to be ashamed of. So Jesus has breakfast with his disciples, and then we pick up in John 21, verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he had said this a third time. Text doesn't say why he's upset about a third time. But I'm sure the number three is kind of ringing in his ears right now. 
Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying, saying this, he said to him, follow me. This is the undoing of Peter's past. And I want you to notice three things about it because I think they're the same three things that are important for you today. Number one, Jesus goes about very specifically in undoing Peter's past. He goes back and makes it right. He says, do you love me three times? Now, I've preached on this before, but one of the things that doesn't get picked up in the English version is what's, what's happening in the Greek, which is there are different words for love. And Jesus is asking, but Peter is answering differently. Jesus says, do you love me? He uses the word agape. It's a warm regard to have high esteem. It also means to practice or express love. To prove one's love. It relates to commitment. So Jesus is saying, do you have a proven, committed love for me? And Peter answers, but he doesn't use the same word for love. He can't. He knows he denied Jesus. And so he says, yes, Jesus, I love you. But he uses the word phileo. Phileo, which is the word for brotherly love, like from which we get Philadelphia. It's just to have care and regard for special interest in someone. And so Jesus asked him again, do you love me? Do you love me with a proven, committed love? And Peter responds, Lord, you know that I love you like a brother. And then the third time Jesus asks him, do you love me like a brother? Jesus changes his word there. He says, do you phileo me? Do you, do you love me like a brother? And Je Peter is struck. Because, you know what, I'm not even sure I can say that I love you like a brother. He knows the doubt that Jesus has. And worse, he knows that Jesus has every right to doubt him. Because he hasn't proven his love he hasn't even really loved him like a brother. But Jesus is undoing it. What does he end with? He says, follow me. That's what he said to Peter at the start of this whole thing. That was the call to Peter. He's giving Peter a new start. He's saying, yes, you have made mistakes. You do have a flaw. You have many, in fact. But that's okay. He's giving Peter a new start. And Peter's story is not unique in the Bible. Moses is a murderer. David is a murderer and an adulterer. Abraham once lied about his wife being his sister so that she was forced to marry someone else. Paul is a murderer. There's only one perfect character in the Bible, and that's Jesus. The rest are all fixer-uppers. The rest are all rebuilds. The rest are all thrift store specials. And that is you, and that is me. We can start over any time. Jesus is saying to us, you made mistakes, but I took care of those. Follow me. 
Follow me anew today. No shame. No more being stuck. New life. I can give you life abundant. You can have an abundant life. A healthy marriage. Kids with character. A job you want to do. A generous heart. No more bitterness. No more guilt. No more shame. And we dishonor Jesus when we don't live into that new life. Be like somebody buying, you you live in a little house, a little shack, and somebody buys you a really nice house to live in. And you say thank you, but then you choose to live in your little shack. That, that That diminishes the gift, doesn't it? That you don't actually use it, that you don't move into the new house. That's what Jesus does for us. He gives us a new start, a clean slate. And when we hang on to our shame, when we hang on to our past, we're saying, Jesus, forget your gift. I'll choose to live back there. So Jesus undoes the past mistakes of Peter. But also notice, Jesus calls Peter to a future. A call away from something is always a call to something with God. And what is it? It's to feed the sheep. And did you notice here, the language changes as well. The English translation does pretty well here. Feed my lambs, tend to my sheep. There's this idea of feeding. There's this idea of tending to. There's this idea of lambs, young sheep, and old sheep. Jesus calls us from our past into our future. And I'm telling you, the future is always to serve other people. Now, some of us literally feed. And I've got a family I have to feed and tend to. But I think this means much more spiritual. What we need to do is teach people. We need to help them grow. We need to tend to them in their faith. We need to teach them God's word. That's what feeding really is. And church, I want to be honest. The American church today is not very good at this. Most Christians don't even read their own Bible, let alone have the ability to help somebody else understand it. We've got to change. We've got to grow. And I think some of the reason why we don't is because we haven't really moved on from our past. But to move on from our past is to move into a future of service. And that's exactly what Jesus does for Peter. Peter is going to turn around and be the leader of the church. When Pentecost comes and the Holy Spirit comes, Peter is going to preach a sermon where thousands are going to get saved. Peter is going to be the one that has the dream that ends up getting the Gentiles really on board with this faith. I mean, Peter is a pivotal character. He doesn't just get get reinstated as one of the disciples. No, he's going to be a critical character. He's going to tend to and feed the faith that changed the world. And so, Jesus calls you not only to move from your past, but also to care for and tend to others. Jesus also, last point about Peter, expects Peter to sacrifice. There's this line at the end. When you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands. Another will dress you and carry you where you did not want to go. To stretch out your hands is a reference to crucifixion, which is what Peter, how Peter ended up dying. He ended up dying on a cross just like Jesus. <clears throat> Though in some traditions it's said that Peter was hung upside down because he didn't feel worthy to be hung the same way that Jesus did. 
There's a stark reality to this. And that is that we will have to sacrifice for God's plan and God's future. But I would much rather, I would much rather suffer for something I believed in than suffer in shame my entire life. That's a trade I would be willing to give. Peter said, when, he, when Jesus predicted to the, the denial, he said he would lay down his life for Jesus. And isn't it interesting that in the end he does? Even despite his past, despite his shame, he does. Now, I'm hoping none of you get crucified. It's not my wish for you. It's really not my wish for me. But I think we are going to have to sacrifice. I think we're going to have to sacrifice to follow Jesus. I think we're going to have to sacrifice to feed his lambs. I think we're going to have to give something up. Whether that's money. Whether that's prestige. Whether that's driving an older car. Eating out a little less. Whether that's giving more of my time. Whether that's switching to a job I don't get paid as much for because I'm actually called to do it. Not taking that promotion because I'm where I think I should be. I don't know what your sacrifices are going to be, but I'm telling you, sacrifices are part of this. But I think it's in the sacrificing that we remember that our past is really done. Because we're suffering for something different. As I prepared this sermon, I thought there was some important stuff here. Important stuff around these three things. That Jesus has things in your past that he wants to undo. That he has people that he wants you to feed and tend to and care for. And that you really may have to sacrifice. And so what I decided to do, very last minute in the last couple days. Was to provide a little opportunity for you to respond to this. And so you should have two pieces of paper in your bulletin. So if you got here early, you may not have. I stuffed them this morning. One of these says, things I need to leave behind. There's a rooster on it. Some of you are hanging on to shame from your past. Some Some of you didn't want to think about it. You tried to keep it at bay as I was preaching. But you have stuff from your past, stuff about who you are that you don't want to let go of. And so what I want to encourage you to do is write those down on this piece of paper. We're going to do something with them. Some of you, all of us, have people you need to feed and tend to. Now, some of you, you have family members you've got to take care of. You should probably put them on this list, but that's not who I'm really talking about. I'm talking about people your feet, you need to feed that you're not currently sharing your faith with at all. You're not really caring for that coworker, that person you bump into at the grocery store all the time. Write those down. And so here's, here's what we're going to do. In a few minutes, Peggy's going to start playing. And hopefully you've got a pen or a pencil in the pew there. Um, I want you to write, write your names down or write your things down. And when you're ready, there's three stations. There's one here. There's one right down here. And there's one in the back uh, by the sound system, by the soundboard. So there's three different places you can go. First thing I want you to do when you come up, and I want you to do this seriously, is take those things about your past, those shame, those things you've been hanging on to, and I want you to rip this paper to pieces in a trash can that's provided. Now, I don't just want one rip. I'm serious. Rip it good. 
Okay, rip it into little pieces. Hear that tear and let go of the shame and past that you've been hanging on to, that Jesus died for, but you're still hanging on to. And then there's a basket there, and I just want you to take your people that you need to feed and tend to and just lay them down as an offering and as a promise to Jesus that you're going to do that. And then there's a basket that is a nail. And you can feel free to take one of these little nails. I want you to put it somewhere where you can see it. In your car. I don't know. You can figure out where your place is. Okay, somewhere where you can see it that can remind you of the sacrifices you really may need to make. That you're going to need to make. To follow Jesus. And so you can meander to either of those three places. You can take your time to do it. Um, But do business with God. Because it's time for us to move past our shame. Move on from our past and into the future that God really wants for us. So, Peggy, if you would play. As you're ready, make your way to one of those three stations.